One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello, Eric. Hello, Ward. I miss your face. Yeah, we should tell people what's going on here because we're not in the same room. We're not in the garage. I'm in the garage. garage. You're not in the garage. Are you? I am. Oh, yeah. I'm in my bedroom just trying to convince myself to get out of my bed because I've been moping around for several days. Well, really just (laughs) one day since the Indiana game. Right. The game of which we will not speak because we have such an amazing guest returning to the show that we're going to focus on that. I like that. I, I want to move past it. Our, our show is not a topical current events podcast. We are about celebrating the lore and history and greatness that we know is Indiana basketball. And there is no greater than the person we're talking to today for the second time. So we should focus on that. Yes, and if for any reason the audio quality on this portion of the program is subpar, the listeners should know, the listeners should know that I'm going to speak more clearly when the interview begins and the audio quality will return to the level that they are used to. Yes, it will return to the inconsistent level that they are used to from us. That's right. That's right. But <laughs> I, I think it's, you know, all the more reason that we should just push ahead right to the interview rather than belabor anything that might have happened in the last few days with Indiana basketball and, and focus on glory from years past. Well, yes, but we do have two pieces of business to do before we get there. Right. The You're first. saying that I should me- well, right, that I should mention the fact that we are powered by pigs wow that sounded like maybe we weren't with pigs anymore (laughs) no no we're with pigs but it's just kind of exasperated i know i'm not supposed to be harboring bad feelings about the game this weekend but i just can't bring myself to do the siren call i have to just feel what happens in the moment ward and that's what i was feeling in the moment yeah, no, I appreciate that, and I think there's going to be a lot of listeners who, who feel you. Well, I, I look, it's going to turn. I still feel like it's going to turn, but let's ignore that. Let's ignore that. We should explain to our listeners what is going to happen with this interview, because while we are doing this intro on Monday night, the night before we release the interview, we did the interview before the Purdue game a couple weeks back, and... Therefore, we did the interview with this gentleman before Coach Knight returned, although we were hopeful that Coach Knight was going to return. So we did ask him what it would feel like to him and what would the meaning be to him if Coach Knight did return. So that's why you're going to get that little section up front, and that's why this whole thing is like a time loop 
you know, our version of Inception. That's what's happening. That's right. And I'll be the Leonardo DiCaprio. Who, what, what am I then? Who am I? Um, Alan Page? Alan Page. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm Alan Page. I'll take it. Whatever. Uh, so, but, yes, that's what we're doing. And And also, just another quick thing to tell people because I'm sure there are people that are finding our podcast uh, more recently. We did the part one of this gentleman almost a year ago, and it is on uh, the Peaks podcast page in Apple or Spotify uh, or pinned on Peaks on the podcast page. You can go back and find part one of this. So I highly recommend uh, doing part one because most part one is almost all about his Indiana career. And part two is largely about post-Indiana career. Well, let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of Hysterics Nation, we have a special guest back, back on the show. It seems almost more real this time. It was just a surreal dreamlike state last time. And now that it's happening again, I think I'm even more excited than the first time. Eric, who's with us? Oh, I love saying these things. I love, and we did it before, but I'm going to do it again. We have the all-time leading scorer in the Big Ten Conference. We have former college national player of the year. We have a man who led us to a Final Four in 1992. Simply put, we have one of the people who is firmly planted on Mount Rushmore of Indiana University basketball. We have the sixth pick of the 1993 NBA draft. Ladies and gentlemen, we have your favorite player, Calbert Cheney. Welcome back, Calbert. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Look, one thing we have to mention yes. that wasn't in the accolades the first time we did this, and now we can talk about it, is you are now a member of the Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame. How does that feel? Oh, man, it feels great. Uh, it's not every day that you wake up and uh, and realize that you know, you're, a college, you're in the College Basketball Hall of Fame. I mean, we got we had a great, great class this year. Uh, we had, uh, I want to say, Shane, Shane Battier, Larry Johnson, uh, Coach Homer Drew, uh, Lute Olson, uh, Rick Majerus, Todd Lichty, I don't know too many. I don't know uh, if Hoosier Nation. A lot of those people, the older, the older generation, know Terry Deschener. Sure. Played at, uh, at played at Purdue. Uh, you know, big time scoring rebounder. Yeah, uh, but still, yeah. yeah. And, and, Ernie, and Ernie D. Gregorio played at Providence. Well, you know, one really, really great guard back in the day. And so it was. It was a wonderful, wonderful class. And and to be a part of that class was uh, was truly, uh, truly special. Calbert, tell us how they call you and let you know that you are in the Hall of Fame. What was that? Well, is it a phone call? It, Does a guy come yeah, to your hotel room and knock on the door? You no, know, <laughs> it, was, it was a phone call. It, it was kind of weird because I was, you know, was during G League season last year, we were up in Erie, and I was working on my computer, and all of a sudden, I, I think there was a call. I think they called a couple of times, and I was like, and normally when I don't recognize a number, I'm like, I'm not picking that sucker up. So, <laughs> oh, I know, because so, when I tried calling you at the beginning, you didn't want anything yeah, to do I'm with like, me. I'm like, what the heck is this? What the heck is this? You know? <laughs> so, so, uh, so I got, I think they called once and they called twice. And then I finally got a call from, uh, uh, I can't remember who, who it was. I think it might've been our PR guy from, from the Erie that called me and told me, Hey, they, you know, the, the, you know, the college basketball hall of fame is, you know, is trying to get a hold of you. 
Uh, so just let me know what number it is, and I'll and I'll definitely uh, I'll definitely pick it up. And then once I picked it up, uh, and I got a call, and they were like, "Hey, uh, just want to let you know that you know, you uh, we've been selected to the College Basketball Hall of Fame." And it, and it was, and I was in a, at a point where I was like, "Well, okay, I appreciate it. Thank you." It wasn't really like I you know, and, I, and it wasn't from a standpoint of like, "Oh, it's it's about time" type of thing. It was like. <laughs> It was like, you know, I was kind of surprised, but yet at the same time, I was so busy working on my computer, you know, working for our, for our next game. It, what, I really didn't, it really didn't hit me wow. until, uh, until, uh, until probably like a, like a day later. And I was like, oh, man, I just got a call. And I was, got selected to the college basketball Hall of Fame. All right, cool. <laughs> Pretty cool. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was wonderful, though. It was wonderful. It's probably that level of focus on the game when you were a player and now as a coach that got you there in the first place is just being so into what's going on in the moment to prepare for the next game. That's when those phone calls come in. And, and, you know, I think when we all heard the news, we all thought, well, it's about time. Yeah. I, I was shocked to be honest with you. Cause when I heard it, I'm like, he's not already in. Like I was like, shouldn't he be the president of the college basketball <laughs> hall of fame? That's what I thought. <laughs> no, I don't really look at it. You know, guys, I don't know if anybody, you know, a lot of people know me. I don't. I don't think about it like that. You know, if if I get selected, great. Uh, that's something that I can't control. Uh, and if I don't get selected, you know, it is what it is. All I want to be remembered for is a guy that you know played the game hard, uh, tried to try to give everything he had to the game, and at the same time was respected. So that's all. That's how. That's how. That's how I've always looked at it, and that's that's how I'll continue to look at it. Well, yeah. that's you, why you're the best. You did go uh, in with some incredible players and coaches alongside you, and. It made me think, going back to our last interview, something we hadn't talked about. Who who was your favorite player growing up, or even now? Who who was it that you really looked up to and said, you know, I want to, I want to achieve, or I want to work at the level that this player or coach did, for that matter? Yeah, you got a lot of players, and, and you know, uh, God rest, you know, Kobe Bryant. So I mean, it was, that was that was truly shocking when I heard that. Uh, you know, big prayers to he and his family. I hope everything uh, just uh, continue to have prayers for their family uh, and and, the, and those people who are uh, who are on the the helicopter. How uh, and have you know prayer for the have uh, prayer pray for those people as well. But but for me, when I was growing up, you know you know the generation now were were big Kobe guys. You know, and I think you know in the eighties you had a lot of Michael Jordan uh, people. But me, for me, it was it was it was Julius Irving. When I was growing up, Julius Urban was was my guy. He was the guy that I always watched on TV. He did all these these great things uh, in the air. Uh, not only that, he was a tremendous uh, you know just score. You know he, he guarded, uh, and I was just a huge Philadelphia 76er fan. So uh, yeah, the guy that that I that that I really looked up to at that time was Julius Urban. I remember I got a time when uh, during high school in Indiana we uh, had a Oh, I got selected to the Indiana uh, All Star team, so I think we had a uh, uh, we had a banquet because uh, you know normally when you make the team, you play two games against the Kentucky All Stars, and I, I unfortunately I wasn't able to play because I broke my foot my senior year right before I went to Indiana, so I wasn't able to play. But I got a chance to go to the banquet, and I and I got a chance to meet him for the first time, and it was like, man, I I, <laughs> I couldn't speak. Yeah, when, when, uh, he said, "Hey, how, how you doing, Calvert? I can get it." And he's got these massive hands, you know, that people don't realize how big, you know, Julius Irving's hands are. I mean, if you watch highlights and, and everything, when when he's playing, he just holding the, holding the, the, the basketball like it's a grapefruit. 
And, you know, you know how you got your little sections in your hand. It's like you got, you know, your, you got the thing, you got the little lines in your hand. And it's just like he had like an extra section. <laughs> and, 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 and I was like, you know, and I, and I got, you know, my, I would say I have decent size hands. I, I can palm a ball. But when I shook his hand, it was like my whole, my whole hand got swallowed up. Wow. Uh, you know, no, but, but at the same, but, but, but the fact that I was able to, to have a chance to meet him, uh, in person was, uh, was, was truly, truly, a uh, uh, special thing. Have you had a chance to meet him since in your travels with the NBA? Uh, no, I, ha- I haven't had a chance to meet him since, uh, you know, I, 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 at some, some point that again, I, I really like to, cause he, like I said, we just pick his brain and talk to him a little bit. And, uh, he's a, he's a wonderful, wonderful, uh, not only was he a great basketball player, but just from hearing from other people and and uh, and everything that he does that you see uh, on TV is like he's just a tremendous person as well. So I mean that's uh, so that's a unbelievable thing to be uh, who he is and and have all the stardom that he's always had. But at the same time, he, he he's well respected and he's he's down to earth. That's what's that's what's the most that's the most important thing. I was just going to say it's not a coincidence. I think that when you think about Dr. J, I think some of the words that people would use to describe him are classy, humble, down to earth, like you said, authentic. Uh, not a guy pointing his fingers at himself, saying, "Look at me." All the same words you would use to describe Calvert Cheney. And it's probably not a coincidence that you gravitated to him, not just for his game, but for his overall presence as well. Oh yeah, no doubt. Uh, like I said, and this, that's not just him. I and mean, there's a lot of guys in the league that that uh, are the same way and uh, represent not only themselves but the league in a, in a very very positive way. And and, uh, and like I said, that, and that's what it's all about. And that's not it's not just about you know, it's in business in general. I mean, just try to go out and do your absolute best, and at the same time have a uh, have a respect and and uh, and be humble. And then and when you do if you do those things, you're gonna be I mean, you're gonna you're gonna just you have no choice but to be a success. You you did mention Kobe, and I just think we would be remiss not to ask you as someone who was a peer with Kobe, uh, as he came into the league, you'd already been there a few seasons, and you were really able to watch his ascension in the league. And it was sh- really surprising to me as somebody who wasn't a Lakers fan, and obviously Kobe didn't go to a college you could root for or against that I was so moved and upset by his pa- passing. And I, I'm, I'm just trying to get an expert opinion. Like, he meant so much to the game of basketball, and I think that's why it was so upsetting to me and so many other people who weren't necessarily fans of his or his teams. Can you, can you figure out why it has meant so much to so many people? I think because uh, the way he approached the game uh... – he really gave everything he had to the game. Uh, he had a tremendous passion, love, desire to want to be the best at, at his craft. And when he first came into the league, the first couple of years, I don't think he even, you know, coming out of high school, he didn't, he didn't, I don't think he started. Right. Uh, and, and, and normally in that situation when you're a highly regarded player and you don't start, uh, you know, then that kind of maybe puts a, damper on your confidence, but that's not Kobe. Kobe was a guy who's like, I'm going, I'm going to outwork you. 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 And, uh, he, and like I said, he, and then once he got his opportunity, shoot, he, he grabbed it with both hands. He didn't let go. And that's just, and I think that's, uh, why people love him so much because like I said, he, he didn't, he didn't care what you thought about him. You know, he's going to go out, he's going to get up at four, four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. He's going to work on his game every day. He's going to try and try to, try to, uh, 
uh, win every last game that he plays, and you know it, it, he and his teams, and uh, the, he 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 had that drive and that determination, and I think that's why people like love Kobe, and obviously he he won five championships with the Lakers, and, and uh, like I said, but he just he was such a great uh, beacon for for the for the NBA during his time, and uh, it's, it's unfortunate that you know he he died uh, uh, too way too soon. And, uh, and, you know, he and his daughter and the, and the people, and the rest of the people that were on the helicopter. But Kobe, uh, it, was, it was a tremendous shock. I remember when I was, we were down at, we were down at, uh, in Texas, Dallas, we, uh, Frisco, we were playing the Texas, right, we were playing the Texas Legends. And Eric Snow was the, one of the assistant coaches. So I don't know if you guys remember Eric Snow. Sure. Mm-hmm. Michigan State. Michigan State Spartan. Uh, yeah. So we're, we're down there and we're doing our, you know, pregame warm-ups with our guys and, you know, he, he comes up and taps me on the shoulder. And he has a phone in his hand. And he's like, yeah, he said, just heard it. You know, Kobe and, and some people, you know, and Kobe Bryant died in a helicopter crash. And I thought, I took offense to it because I said, this is not, it's not funny, man. You don't say stuff like that. And he said, Cal, I'm, I'm serious. You know, this is, uh, you know, that we just, just heard, just heard that Kobe and, and, and some passengers uh, just died on a helicopter. And, uh, and I had to get, I had to, and even when he told me that I had to get confirmation from some, for some other people, from some other people. And, uh, but that to happen, it was it was tough. It was tragic, um, uh, but uh, obviously his his legend and his uh, legacy is going to live on, live on. Though that's how much he meant to the game. Uh, Calbert, obviously, you played against him several times in your career. Did you ever have any interaction with him off the court? You know, we talked we've talked a couple times before or uh, before the game, and this is when he was younger. And uh, you know, he, you could just tell by by talking to him that he's very very uh, mature for his age, and that he he knows what he wants and. Uh, the big thing about being an athlete is that you got to have a lot of confidence and uh, no matter what people say. And that was, that was what made Kobe who he was. He didn't care what people thought uh, about him in terms of how he played the game or what he did. Uh, he just going to go out there and, and give everything he had every, every second that he stepped out on the floor. And uh, that's what made him, like I said, who he is. So Calbert, we are recording this on Wednesday, February 5th. 5th. Uh, we're going to air it. Uh, in a week or two, but coming up this weekend on February 8th in Bloomington is a big game against Purdue, and mm-hmm. the word is that Coach Knight uh, very well could return for that game and be recognized in some way at that game. This would obviously mark the first time that Coach Knight has been at Assembly Hall since uh, his last game coached against Purdue in the year 2000. It's been 20 years. I'm just curious, for somebody who played for him for four years who cares about Indiana so much, what does it mean to you, even knowing that it is a possibility that Coach Knight might return? I think it's uh, wonderful. I mean, it's a long time coming. Uh, I'm really happy that... he, should I say it like is, is, no. is he able to come back? Is that, that he did come back? No, no, not not they, they don't did come back or no. No, we're not going to pretend. Like I'm saying, you know that the plan is that he's coming back. Okay. So just comment okay. on the plan and how happy that makes you or what you feel about it. Okay, uh, I think it's uh, I think it's more. I think it's wonderful. The fact you know, I think it's been a long time coming. Uh, everybody knows what he's meant to the to the Indiana University and the, and what he's done for the. For for Indiana basketball, uh, win three national championships and I think over twenty Big Ten titles, uh, he is the guy. And uh, and for for him to finally come back and and uh, set his feet in Assembly Hall, uh, couldn't be happier. Couldn't be happier as a former player and and as, and as a former uh, as a guy that played for him. 
uh, it's wonderful. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't be happier. Uh, not only for for myself, from a selfish standpoint, but for more importantly for the fan base, uh, who love him to death, uh, and and uh, and have always wanted him to come back, and, and for him to finally do that. Uh, I mean, couldn't be happier. I mean, I, I wish I, I wish I could could be there. I wish I could be there. And what do you think, in a tangible sense? it could mean for the Indiana program because there is this talk of the fracture in the program since he was fired. And I think there's been various degrees of healing ever since, but is just the fact of coach Knight, if he does walk into assembly hall this weekend, is that something that will have a real tangible impact on the program moving forward? I I think so. I think so. When he did leave and when he got fired, I think a lot of people took sides and, uh, and the program hadn't been the same since. And uh, but for him to come back and and show his support for the program itself, and show his support for Archie and the staff, show his support for the existing for the existing team that's there, uh, I think that's gonna. I, I don't think I don't. That's not. It's, I don't think it's gonna do anything but but be positive. Uh, so uh, look, if he does come back, uh, uh, I'm I'm very happy. I'm very excited. Uh, and I know the fan base is going to be happy and very excited. Uh, and, and I think it will definitely be a step in the right direction. Uh, well, that is, you speak for, uh, I think, millions <laughs> in that mm-hmm. sentiment. Well, we left our last interview at the end of your Indiana career. So it only makes sense that we would pick it back up with you leaving Bloomington. You're going to get ready for the NBA draft. You're going to get drafted. We should talk about that. But I believe while that was going on, there was a little movie called Blue Chips that started filming. Mm-hmm. Do I have that chronology right? Were, were you right? Were... It was right after right after the uh, the our college uh, school year was up. That's I guess when we started started uh, filming that. So so can you just talk us through how they approached you about it? What it was like, both being you know coached by Coach Knight and directed by William Friedkin. What was that experience? Oh, it was great. It was great. Uh, I think one of the one of the the more uh, wonderful things was that Nick Nolte, uh, I guess, I guess his character was kind of based on coach, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think pretty uh, much spot on based on. Coach. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he spent a couple of weeks with us uh, during the season. Uh, coach allowed that. And it was great to, to get a chance to, you know, to talk to him and, and, uh, and just, uh, cause at that time he, Nick Nolte was like, you know, the guy in Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, so, I assume you were a fan like the rest of us of 48 Hours and all that good yeah, stuff. Yeah, 48 Hours. You have another 48 Hours. You have a big fan of, of that, that that movie. And uh, so we had, a, we had a great opportunity to to, uh, to sit and talk with him a little bit. Uh, and then also, you know, yeah, yeah, it was great. Uh, I think it was wonderful. The, the way that they set it up was, I guess, uh, since Matt Nover was one of the stars of the movie, uh, I guess, you know, they, they, they asked us if we wanted to, to be uh, in the movie as well, in some capacity, and uh, and that, there were a lot of guys, especially from my from my draft class that, that were in that in that movie, and uh, but that's they just basically asked. I think Coach Knight asked us too, uh, and uh, but but all we did was we just went up. Uh, people would ask me, you know, did you have like any lines? I'm like, no, we didn't have any lines. We just we were just asked to go up there and play two basketball games, and. Uh, and that's what we did. Play, we played two basketball games, and then they took the footage from those games. The only thing that we had to set up 
was the game-winning alley-oop to Shaq uh, right. to win the game. Uh, but other than that, man, we just played. We played two normal games, and and they took the footage from that from that those games. And uh, I think what was really cool was I got a chance to play with Bobby Hurley. Well, uh, you know, I, I was going to Bobby Hurley. I was going to ask you about reputation. that because that, that yeah. to me, I was at Frankfurt for one of the games for the filming. Mm-hmm. And it was wonderful, but it freaked me out a little bit to see him in an Indiana uniform. Did that freak you out at all? It, 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 it felt a little different because you know I, you know, I had an opportunity to play with with, uh, with Bobby uh, not only you know during that time, but we played USA basketball together too. Uh, I think the World University Games it was, and we over in England, and we so we got a chance to to to, to uh, play with one another and get get a chance to know one another. But uh, yeah, but to see him in in cream in the cream and crimson, uh, as opposed to that royal blue and white, uh, it was it was uh, it was definitely different. It was interesting. But then once we got on the court, we started playing. It was like, you know, you you know, it, we were just basketball players it's, having a good time. Now, since you had Bobby Hurley on your team when you were playing those games, seeing as how he came from Duke, when you were playing those two games, did you get all the referees' calls in that game? In those games, because uh, <laughs> you know that's what happens when you put on a Duke jersey. <laughs> Oh my goodness! I tell you what, uh, you know, I, we 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 probably got a few calls. You know, like I said, he, he, you know, Bobby Hurley on the floor that kind of helped us a little bit. I guarantee you that. Now there were all kinds <laughs> of uh, rumors. I don't know if any of this is true, but in those two games that you played, I had read some stuff that said that Coach Knight was like, "Oh, we're gonna play. Like we're not just coming here to run through stuff. We're gonna play." And he really wanted oh, yeah. his team to win. Is that true? Oh yeah, no doubt. Yeah, that's, that's, that's how that's how coach is, man. I mean, he wants he wants to compete. He wants to win, and uh, that was what we were thinking too. You know, he didn't have to tell us that we were going to go out there and we we're going to do our thing. You know, they didn't, you know, uh, you know, the, said they they had a good team, but you know what? Well, we had a good team too. We had some guys. Uh, you know, I think myself, uh, Bobby Hurley, uh, Keith Smart, had uh, Joe Hillman. Yeah, uh, uh, we had some guys. So I mean. Uh, Eric Anderson, late Eric Anderson, sure. uh, but you know, so we we had some guys, so we weren't gonna we weren't gonna back down, we weren't gonna back down at all. So when the movie came out, when was the first time you saw it? Did you go to like the premiere, or did you uh, did you have to wait a little bit to see it because you were getting no, ready I, for the NBA? I, I, oh, there was no, a year ago. To, it was a year year later. It yeah, came yeah, out. yeah, yeah. I wasn't able to make the premiere, but uh, I got a chance to see it on I think video, video, you know, back yeah. old VHS uh-huh. tape back in the day, you know, so. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, but I got a chance to see it, but you know, it was great. I liked it. Uh, uh, actually McNulty did a great job of portraying coach a little bit. What'd you think of Nova's uh, performance? I thought he did a good, uh, he did a good job. I mean, for, for, for his first time, uh, we were, we were, uh, excited for him. You know, he, uh, uh, you could tell he was a little bit nervous a little bit, but for the, for the most part he did it. I thought he did a wonderful job. He told, we talked to him recently and he told us about a story about him going to see the movie. And mm-hmm. he went to like a, a a theater. It wasn't like the premiere. He went to a theater. Was it in his hometown? Was no, it, it was outside Indianapolis. Outside Indianapolis, and he didn't have any money on him, right? <laughs> yeah. And he, and he went to the the person running, you know, the theater, the ticket counter, and was like, uh, "That's me in the movie. I'm in this movie. Can you please let me?" And she's like, "Come on, what are you doing?" And he's like, "No, no, really, I swear, I'm in Look, that movie. I'm six nine. You, well, I, you, what are the chances?" Man, he tried to put a hustle. He put a hustle move in. <laughs> he did. Nova's hustling to get a six dollar ticket. 
<laughs> my goodness, did he get it? He did. Yeah, he got in. Oh, all right, my man, my man. <laughs> sure, he's getting royalties from that joint. He's getting royalties for that joint. So yeah, he shouldn't have to pay anything. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. So quickly after uh, the shooting of that, you are in full NBA prep mode. What's that like? How do you uh, prepare was, to, to to go to the next level? You just train, just train, just try to keep your body in shape. And at, this, at, that, at the next level, it's not you know you don't have people you know breathing down your neck on working out, but you got to work out and get yourself in shape. I worked out for I want to say I worked out for ten teams leading up to the draft. Uh, you know, so uh, you know I, everybody was saying I was going to be slotted between you know five and seven or five and eight. So I, I didn't really care about that. I was just happy to just get my name called and uh, it's not every day like I said that you get an opportunity to play in the league and in, in the NBA and play a game where, that you love and get and get compensated to do so and uh, you know that was a, that was a big moment so big talk moment. to us about draft night mm-hmm. first off before draft night comes you got to buy a suit right yes so <laughs> walk us through the suit process are you are you thinking I'm really going to show out here or are you playing it you thinking conservative or people in your ear what what's the process there no I'm low-key man I'm low-key I ain't trying to be I've always I'm a low-key guy so I'm trying to be I'm trying to be classy yet yet tasteful uh-huh. but, you know at the same time I'm not trying to I'm not trying to overdo it you know I'm, I'm, I'll go gray navy blue the navy blue suit I had on uh oh yeah I had you know, a nice I had, time I had you your know, so, rookie card with, you know, yeah. you're wearing the suit and you got the, the mm-hmm. bullets hat and you're spinning the ball. It's a, it, it's a timeless suit where, and you know, at that point in time, some of those suits were not timeless. Some of them from, no. from around that era did not hold up. No, no, it didn't hold up. My, my, I, don't know where, I don't know where the heck mine is now. I might have gave it to Goodwill or something. But, but, uh, but yeah, man, it was, it was interesting. Like I said, you know, I had to get the suit. Uh, but, you know, but, but that, that was a great day. That was a great night. Um, uh, uh, got a, got a nice pair of shoes. I think at that point, I think that particular time, I don't think I really owned a suit because every time I went to church, I would always wear a shirt, a tie, and then uh, and then uh, some slacks. Right. So I never. So that I think that might have been the first time I actually had a suit. So excited about getting it, and to, and and even more excited to be, like I said, to be to be drafted in it. So what? So, give what, us what, the moment. When you hear your name called, but, but leading up to that, I just want to say that like this is this is who's on the board with you and starts going off. So first, first overall is your old rival Chris Weber. At mm-hmm. the, at that point, are you are are you able to be happy for him, or is he just still a Wolverine that you're competing against? Oh no no that's that's you know on the court yeah we're, we're competing, but off the court you know that you can. If anybody knows Chris Weber, he's a tremendous, tremendous guy. Okay, uh, great guy, wonderful guy. About as uh, happy-go-lucky, uh, you know. Like I said, he's a he's a really, really nice, nice man. And and uh, you know, you know, when he got drafted, I mean, I was I was truly happy for him. And all those people that got drafted that night, uh, you know. So no, there's no animosity. You know, it was it was a great, great rivalry. It went, you know, while it lasted, uh, you know, I, I really love playing against them because they. And I was because you beat I really, yeah, we beat them. Yeah, but you know, but I really admired them because uh, of you know the things that they've done. I mean, people uh, don't realize how how much of a team they were. They weren't uh, they weren't a team of just individuals. They were a team team. Right. They took care. They took care of one another. They they fought for one another. They communicated. They talked. They had a lot of great chemistry. 
And uh, that's what made him so good. And, and I think uh, you, you know, told us the last time we talked, I think it was you who told us that Coach Knight actually liked them. Yeah, that uh, he Coach, liked Knight, Coach Knight loved them. Coach Knight loved them. He loved how they played. He, he, likes, he loved their competitiveness. He, loved, he liked how they how they played. They played the right way. Uh, they defended. Uh, you know, he loved all that about them. I mean, he, he was really he was really uh, impressed by how they how they carried themselves, especially as being you know freshmen, right. uh, getting to the final four that year, and then sophomores getting back to the final four. Uh, they were they were they were a good crew, very very nice crew. So then you got up next to Sean Bradley, who was like eight foot nine out of BYU. <laughs> then you had you had your old co star from the your Hollywood days with Penny Hardaway was third. Then the arrival to the South, Jamal Mashburn goes fourth. Uh, Isaiah Ryder from UNLV. I mean, these is like these are all the people we grew up watching. Uh, Isaiah right. Ryder from UNLV, and then and then th- it's time for Calvert's name to get called. Now, do you know at this point have they already called you to tell you we're taking you? They, they, the well, your, your agent, my agent, Mike, Mike Higgins was like, you know, you're, you're probably going to go uh, if you don't go fifth to Minnesota, and and you don't go sixth to Washington, then you're definitely going to go seventh to Sacramento. So and I, so I just look at I looked at it like that. Uh, so when it started to get the five, six, seven. You start to get a little bit nervous because you don't really you know, but you really don't know. Sure. And uh, you know, so so when they finally, you know, when they when when uh, uh, it was David Stern, right? When they when David yeah when David called our called our name called my name, it was it was truly uh I, I was like man, just Cal, just when you walk up to the stage, just put one foot in front of the other, <laughs> other do, do do not trip, do not trip. <laughs> Yeah, I believe I believe it was a long walk, and, and I, I wanted to go to walk fast, but I knew if I walked fast, I didn't want to take a chance on tripping. Mm-hmm. And everybody that did talk to me said, "The cow, you, you took forever to get up to the stage." <laughs> I said, "Well, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want a freaking trip. I didn't want to trip. So <laughs> that's why." Uh, so, but it was it was it was very it was it was a very very uh, wonderful moment. So you get drafted. You're on Wait, the team on draft night, though, because mm-hmm. yes, Bobby Hurley got drafted right after you, which is yes. great. And then you've got yes, like Finn Baker, Rodney Rogers, Lindsey Hunter, Alan Houston, George Lynch, and then at 17th is your teammate Greg Graham. How much did yes. it mean for you and Greg to get drafted in the first round? Man, it, was, it, was, it was. I was over the moon when he got drafted. He had a matter of fact when uh, he had a wonderful, a great senior year, and he got he had a legendary senior year when. You know, unfortunately, Allen got hurt uh, leading up to the Purdue game. Allen uh, had towards ACL. Uh, Greg, you know, we needed somebody else to step up, and Greg was like probably I want to say I wouldn't. Lie, I'm not gonna lie. Greg was probably the best player in college basketball the last. Uh, I want to say maybe ten games of the season. Maybe well, I don't think it was that many games. It might, might have been like the last uh, seven, eight games of the season. He's the best player in college basketball. Wow! And uh, and just by, just by what he did during that during that 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 stretch, I think got him that the first round, uh, you know, seventeenth pick in the first round. He did, and I was really I, I was really over the moon for him. Couldn't couldn't be happier for him. So you get drafted. You're on the t- you're, you're drafted. You still got to sign a deal. A few weeks later, July sixth, you sign a six year, nineteen million dollar contract. Calvert. You're from Evansville, Indiana. You're a low-key guy. You're a humble guy. But you just became a multi-millionaire. 
What is it like to know that that money is coming your way? It still hadn't hit me yet. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you just don't, you don't, it's unbelievable. I mean, just the fact that, you know, you're able to sign on a dotted line and all of a sudden you have this type of money, it's, uh, it's, it's truly a blessing. Uh, you know, I thank God for, you know, giving me the, the abilities to play the game and for, and for giving me the work ethic to try, you know, improve, my, improve myself. Uh, but like I said, to, to be in that situation and to have a chance, like I said, to play the game, like I said earlier, to play the game that you love and not, and, uh, and, and get, and get, you know, compensated for it. Like I said, it doesn't make, and then, but I think the more important thing for me, it wasn't really about the money. The fact that I grew up watching Julius Irving, I grew up watching, you know, Michael Jordan, I grew up watching Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. And I, and I would sit up there and watch TV and I would see myself, I'm like, man, I have a, wouldn't it be cool for me to actually have an opportunity to play in the NBA one day, and then and for it to actually to, to come to, to come to fruition? I mean, that doesn't it doesn't get much better than that. And that's no. that was the most amazing. That was the most amazing thing to me. All right, I get that. But did you buy anything crazy? Did you buy not even crazy? Did you buy something that you couldn't have bought before that you're like, I definitely uh, want this? No, you know, I got my mom. You know, I got my mom a place. Nice. Um, you know, I got her a house. How uh, amazing is that, though? You got to buy your mom yeah, a house. That's an incredible yeah, no doubt. thing. Yeah, yeah, got to get her a house, and and then uh, you know, it, actually, when my our season was over, we did what you know, we barnstormed. Right. Mm. And and, and uh, myself, uh, Matt Nover, uh, Chris Reynolds, and Greg, we did a barnstorming tour uh, in the state of Indiana, and yeah. we ended up making we ended up making like I want to say we made we sold up down to every venue. So we, we probably made around thirty thirty five thousand dollars a piece. Nice. And Chris and Reynolds. That, and, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, go, and, I, and, I, and I took that, the $35,000 that I got. I, first thing I did, I went down to, to, uh, to Ford uh, in Bloomington, Indiana and bought a Ford Explorer. That was my nice. first, first, first car I ever bought. Just bought it in cash. Wait, was that, from, was that from Community Cars? Was it Community uh, Ford? I, I, I can't remember if it was Community or not. It okay. might have been. Let's say it, it was. <laughs> yeah, it, it might have been. And uh, I, got a, I got a white Ford Explorer yes. uh, with the money. And I was, you know, and I felt a sense of satisfaction. I mean, I never had a car before. And, and, and for, you know, to get a car right off the bat. And that was even before I signed a contract. So I just, you know, I was like, let me go ahead and buy this car. And, and uh and uh, that's that was I was over the moon when I, when that happened. Yeah, the, so your, that, your, your buddy I mean, Jamal. First time Mash- I ever had a car. Your buddy yeah, Jamal but, Mashburn could tell you. Well, if you just went to Kentucky, you would have got a car four years ago. No, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that now. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Jamal Mashburn. Me too. Me take too. it easy, guys. Take it easy. <laughs> hey, I'm, this isn't against Jamal. I would take the car too. It's more against Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll let, leave that one alone. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> so as as we're going to get you to Washington, uh, starting your NBA career, um, there's a teammate that also got drafted with you in the second round that I've always had a real affinity for, and I I wanted to know a little bit about him as a person and a teammate. George A. Murezon, what's the, what was that? Big sweet man, like I, I. That's how I imagine him, big and sweet. And people should remember, for people that don't know, this was a seven foot six, seven, seven foot seven, 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 seven. giant playing uh, mm-hmm. that came over internationally to play for the Bullets. Keep in mind, Manute Bull was also on this roster. <laughs> no, no. Well, yeah, no. Manute was it was after us. It was before us. I'm sorry. He was before us. Oh, he, was that he the wasn't s- on the roster? Got it. Oh, he, he was gone roster. by the time you, you can, got here. He was gone. It is an unwritten rule. You can only have yeah. one guy <laughs> seven six or higher. <laughs> that's oh, fair. Right. That's fair. All right. Yeah, so yeah, tell yeah. us about George. Man, he's a he's a mountain of a man. I tell you, but but what I tell you what you know, what what made him 
he's just such a great, great guy. Uh, and, uh, you know, at first his freshman, he's actually his rookie year. He, he didn't, he didn't know the language. So he had his guy, uh, with him everywhere. And, uh, and shoot, by, by the second season, shoot, he, he was speaking like fluent English. Wow. Uh, so, uh, and that's what, uh, but at the same time, uh, we, uh, it was great, you know, it was a blessing being his teammate because when he got the ball in the post, nobody could stop him. <laughs> the only, the only, the only issue with with him was like you know just getting up and down the floor. And they had, and I think uh, we had to limit his minutes. He couldn't play but a certain amount of minutes a game because of. Uh, I think you know, I, I don't know too much about the disease he had. I guess I guess he had to take medication to stop from growing. Sure, because he continues to grow if he doesn't take this medication. And, uh, you know, so, uh, I think it's at some, at some time, and I, and I did, I do remember him discussing sometimes it takes a lot out of him. So they had to limit his minutes every mm. night on certain nights. And we played a back to back night. And, hey, I think they limited him, limited him even more, but it was, it was truly a joy to play with him. Uh, you throw the ball into him and he's just so big and so, and so long that when they turn around, you turn around and shot the ball, nobody could stop him. And, uh, but man, so it was, it was a joy to play with him, but like even, but even more than that, he was just such a great person great person to be around we went to dinner a couple of times together uh went to each other's houses uh you know so like i said he's he's a wonderful guy wonderful guy I, and I, and I, you know if i'm not mistaken i think he still works within the organization of washington too. oh wow i did not know that yeah he, he, he works in the front office area i don't know i can't remember i, I don't know what to what capacity but uh, i think he's still there so calbert what was being uh you know uh, another former hoosier jared jeffries has launched mm-hmm. his own podcast about all about talking to professional athletes about their rookie year, that it is mm-hmm. kind of this unifying thing where every professional athlete, no matter how good, you know, no matter where you came from, everybody's got rookie issues and, and just right. learning how to be a professional. What was, right. how would you characterize your rookie year and what it was like to now be on your own? You've got money, you've got a job. What was it just like, you know, kind of coming into adulthood? Uh, I think the biggest thing with me was like, you, you know, you got to make, uh, you got to maybe be able to manage your time wisely, uh, whether it be, um, uh, like I said, eating right, uh, going to the gym. Uh, cause you, you know, if you're not at the gym, you know, then, then you got a lot of free time. So, uh, all I try to do is I try to work on my game as much as I could. And at the same time, uh, uh, you know, I had people with me that, you know, I had a couple guys, a couple of my good friends that, that came out there with me to, like I said to keep me coming so I wouldn't be by myself mm-hmm. uh, at least for the first few years and then uh, so I think that's a, that's a really important thing uh, for for rookies uh, you know to have a guy especially if you, you know that, 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 that you're familiar with a good friend of yours that could that could be around to, uh, to help you with, with things that you can't do or you're too busy to do and uh, and I had a good friend of mine you know uh, my first year it was uh, it was Errol Butler and then my second year it was Titus Trans, a really good friends of mine uh, that, uh, that really helped me, uh, get adjusted. And, uh, you know, so, uh, yeah. So then every now and then my mom would come out, you know, and make me a nice home cooked meal. And, uh, but like I said, I think the biggest thing is like, it's the same, it's kind of like the same thing in college. You got to manage your time wise, get to the gym, get your work in. And and then, like I said, just be ready to play. You got to have a rookie hazing story or just something that sticks out to you about your rookie year where you were like, Oh man, I'm not in Kansas anymore. Oh man, I tell you what, I mean, we had we were one of the few teams left in the league that still still flew com- commercial. So <laughs> oh. so 
it was myself, Mitchell Butler, who I think you know, who came in as a free agent from UCLA. I don't know if you guys remember him. I do yes. Uh, yeah, so so we had to carry uh, we had to carry all the bags, and uh, off every every flight we were on, we had to carry all the bags, and then, and at the same time, there you know there you know, we got you know Rex Chapman, Michael Adams, uh, they're all killing me talking about Doug Overton killing me. They're all they're all saying, uh, uh, yeah yeah, you just six pick you six picks in the draft, but. I said, but your, he said, but your ass is carrying these bags, <laughs> you know. So, so I, I and, and there's nothing you can really say. You nothing you can really say. You know, and uh, then I had to, you know, somehow I had to bring donuts. I got to bring, had to bring donuts to the uh, to practice, uh, you know. And it's all on my dime. And so you making all this money now, so so, you, so it should be on your dime. Then we go out if we go out to eat. Then we had, to, you know, and I had to pay for I had to pay for the meal. And no matter how many people went, oh, I had to pay oof. for I had to I had to pay for the meal. So that's part of the hazing, and it is what it is. Uh, so and like I said, I, I kept my mouth shut because uh, I said I'm new. To, I'm new to this, so I'm not. I'm not trying to burn any bridges. And nowadays, you got guys now that if you try to haze them, they, they they'll take offense to it. But you know that that was just how it was when I played, and I, I sucked it up, took it, and uh, you know, and I, I and I said it's not. I said it's not gonna last forever. So you know, and, and then they and then they say you're a rookie from the time you start the season, or you're from the time you're drafted until. The first game of the of the of the next season, so so you'll so you'll go through so you'll go through training camp. So you'll go through the second season your second season of training camp as a rookie until that first regular season game of next year. That um, doesn't they, seem they, right. They, yeah, then you're not considered a rookie anymore. So that's that's how that's how that's how it's done. So your rookie year. I was obsessed with following you the best I could from Indiana. And of course, there's no NBA league pass. So it's really about watching Sports Center highlights, hoping a Bullets game is on, um, and going through the box score every day in the newspaper the next day. And and to start to see your ascension, you know, as you got used to the speed of the game and acclimated to to what an NBA schedule was like and you go out and you score back to back games over 30 points at that point were you just like man I can do this was there was there ever any doubt but for me as a fan watching from afar I was like oh Calbert's got this he's he's good to go yeah yeah I thought I was, I was okay I think the biggest issue you know as a as a player you know you get and it's like for anything you go you go to elementary school you you and from elementary school to middle school, you got to get adjusted to the speed. Middle school to high school, you got to get adjusted to the speed again. High school to college, you got to get adjusted to the speed. And college to the to the professional ranks, you got to get adjusted. And uh, it was an adjustment for me because when you watch the game on TV, NBA game on TV, it looks it looks slow, but that's because everybody's so good. <laughs> whereas whereas, and I would I would say this to guys, you know, when you're playing in the NBA, it's like you're playing the equivalent of first team all Americans every night because mm-hmm. that's how good, you know, because the, at this level is the best of the best. So, so you got to figure out not only got, it's not about uh, how you uh, play the game. It's how it, it was. It's, it's, yeah, obviously it's about the physical part of it, but it's born about the mental part of it, you know, knowing how to get open, knowing how to get, find, get to your spot for your shot, uh, knowing, you know, taking what you do well and, and, and try to make it elite. And, uh, and that's that's the NBA, you know. And that's how you get paid. You know, what do you do well? If you do it really well, you're going to get paid. You're going to get paid and get paid at a high level. Uh, and not only not only that, but more importantly, you're going to you're going to win games. And that that was a big adjustment for me. And then toward the end of my toward the end of probably like in the middle of the, of the season, I started to finally figure it out a little bit. And 
And then uh, I think I had a couple, you know, I, I started scoring the ball pretty well. Then I, then I think I had uh, uh, tore my plantar fascia. Right. And, uh, that was pretty yeah. much right after those back-to-back 30-point games. Yeah. yeah. I tore my plantar fascia, and then I was out for a while. Uh, maybe I want to say anywhere from four to five weeks, maybe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, before I came back. And then when I came back, I got mono. Oh. Um, I got mononucleosis. And then I was out the rest of the season, probably up until the last week uh, of, of my rookie season. And uh, and, I, and actually, I got – I think the game that I came back, it was against uh, it was against Greg in Philly. Huh. Greg Graham in Philly. And, uh, yeah, so that, I think that might have been the second or third – uh, I think maybe the it might have been the second or third last game of the season uh, that that I came back. So yeah, that mononucleosis really took a lot out, and I was out for a long time too. Well, you did mention the speed of the game, and I just wanted to say my my dad was nice enough to pony up for some tickets when you first came back to play the Pacers, and mm-hmm. they were like the best seats I'd ever had. We were, if not on the court, within a row or two, and it was just mind blowing the size and the speed. But I'll never forget, you did which probably to, you know, even a few rows higher up or certainly on TV was like just the most normal pass of normal pass where you were kind of up on the wing and you saw somebody down at the block and you just kind of whipped it down there with your right hand. And I realized that if I wasn't paying attention and that ball had hit me in the head, I would have died. I would have perished. Like <laughs> so, it was so, so fast and so hard and you didn't even think about it. It was just like mm-hmm. the power and the speed. I, I don't think anybody can really appreciate unless you're literally down there in the danger zone where it's like, wow, these guys make it all seem, as you say, slow and, and not nearly as dangerous as it really would be to a normal human being because you're also gigantic. Yeah, yeah, and, and like when you're playing in between the line and you're playing the game, it, you really, you know, we don't look at it like that. You know, that's normal for us because we're all, you know, professional athletes. So, but, 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 but now when I'm, when I'm, if I go to a game, if I go to an NBA game and I, and I sit, and I'm just sitting and watch. I, it's amazing the speed, and and even the game now has gotten even better in terms of like you know the nutrition, staying in better shape, uh, uh, and it's you know the the, the all everything that's is put into it now all these all these organizations have their own practice facilities with the, you know kitchens their own chefs you can basically live in a practice facility and not right. leave you, there's actually no excuse for you to not get better if, you know it because these say these practice facilities are state-of-the-art so so everything has gotten a lot better so you sit down and you're watching it and you're like dang god i can't <laughs> believe i actually i can't believe i actually played this game at this high level because <laughs> the game is just so you know you're watching Giannis and uh Oh my and, God! And Tante and then you you watching Zion Williamson, and and you watching LeBron James with six nine two sixty, handling the handling the ball, leading the league in assists. Uh, it just it just goes to show how how much this game has advanced, even from when I played. Uh, and again, how fast and how powerful the game is, and it's, it's really a joy to watch. So, two quick things. One, kudos to you for even attempting saying Giannis's last name. I would not even uh-huh. attempt to <laughs> and, do that. And Tom you, you and nailed. Tom look at that. You got this <laughs> yeah. down. So, kudos to you. So for we're that. in the G League, right? He's, he's got a brother in the G League that plays in the G League. So. Uh, he's my scout, so I, I I spent a lot of time working on his last name. So <laughs> I, that is great. By the way, there's an Indiana connection there because I believe his brother was recruited by Archie Miller at Dayton. Oh yes, yeah, right, exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Actually, that's the same that's the same kid. That's the yeah. same kid. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So kudos uh-huh. to you for that. 
but I want to go back to something you talked about with the mental approach to the game and how important that is. That, that You talked about it in terms of like a personal performance thing. But what I'm also curious about is, Calbert, you just came off of a four-year Indiana career that is one of the most storied that you could possibly have. I mean, shy mm-hmm. of, of course, taking home the final trophy. You did everything there is to do in college basketball. And mm-hmm. you won just an incredible number of games. And now mm-hmm. you're drafted sixth, which means for the most part, you're going to a bad team. Right. And that year, your team goes 24 and 58. Mm-hmm. Mentally, was it hard for you to deal with just not winning? Yeah, it was tough. I mean, because, I mean, it'd be tough for anybody, especially when you come from a winning tradition uh, in high school and college. Yeah, it was tough. But at the same time, uh, you, 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 you can't let it stop you from uh competing you know i think we for the most part i think we competed in a lot of games it's just we just didn't have enough to take us over the top uh and you know so you in the beginning it was frustrating but at the end of the day you just got to just hold up your end of the bargain play hard and hope that you know at at some point we would get a little bit better and uh you know so yeah but uh, yeah no doubt it was frustrating Uh, and it, it wasn't just me it was you know you got we had rex and uh, Don McClain, who all come from great, you know, from, you know, Rex Chapman from Kentucky, Don McClain, Michael Adams, Boston College, uh, you know, so yeah, it was, it was definitely, it was definitely frustrating at the time. Did Did you ever just uh, remind Don McClain about blowing him out by thirty? And then, <laughs> yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, good. You know that, you know, he, he he and Mitchell, he and Mitchell Butler. You had to let him know. That's yeah. right. Let him know. Now, yeah, it, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, and Tracy Murray as well. Tracy was yeah, on Tracy too, came so, up. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, had to let him know. Uh, well, and of course, uh, later, you know, Juwan, uh Howard shows up. You've got all sorts mm-hmm. of collegiate guys you can talk trash to. But one thing that brought some of you together, and this is post blue chip. So now you're getting some more close ups and screen time when you are one of the stars of the Crystal Waters music video. Say, if you feel all right. Oh, my gosh. Right, I can't, I can't. I can't believe you went there on me. Oh come we, on! How could we not? Wait. You're singing. You're dancing. There's 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 really some oh, great gosh, footage man. of you playing within Good the music grief. video and dancing. But wait, hold on. You mean this? There it is. Oh my gosh, man! Come on, guys. S- sing, sing along if you want to, yeah. Calvert. No, I, I can't. I can't remember the words, man. I'm just. I was just. I was just happy to be there. <laughs> We will tweet this out, this video. We will tweet oh, this out. Oh, don't do that. Don't do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> By the way, Calvert, I watched that video and prep for this interview. You are bouncing all over that thing. You oh. are dancing. Hey, man, they, they, they and, told us we needed, we needed to do something, so I just tried to, I just tried to do my part. That's you, all. You are a natural. You're a natural. The camera loves you. So let's, uh, uh, let's talk about your second year because – Talent does uh, arrive in mm-hmm. in Washington with the, as Ward mentioned, Jawan Howard and Chris Weber shows up. Right. So you are right. now united with two Fab Five members that you competed against, and you have this nucleus now of you, Jawan, and Chris that seems like wow, Washington has finally figured it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but the season doesn't exactly go that way from a team perspective. Right. Mm-hmm. How hard was it to know? Wow, we've got this talent now, but again, just it just didn't click yet. Yeah, yeah, that's a big deal. You know, it's, it's, and that's one thing with in all sports. If you still have talent, but if you don't have the chemistry, I think we were struggling with chemistry at the time. Uh, you know, so you know, and for me, I think one of the things I had to do, I had to take a step back because knowing Chris and his abilities, uh, you had to let Chris. You know, let's just say, you know, Chris is our first option. 
Sure. Jawan should be our should be, Juwan should be our second option. And if I need to be a third option, that's fine. I have no problem with that as long as we win games. And I think we had a hard time. Uh, there was a, we had a hard time in terms of the chemistry department, but uh, yeah, but the talent was there. It was just a matter of just continue to. It was just a matter of us continuing to to build on what we have, and uh, you know. So, uh, but yeah, in the beginning, yeah, you know, the chemistry there uh, wasn't quite there, but uh, we we did everything we could to try to make it work, you know. So, you know, it was great playing with Chris, and it was great playing with Juwan. Uh, they had, it was, you know, they were, they were really, really good guys. And I thought it was an honor to play with them because we bat- you know, had some tremendous battles with them in, in college when they were in Michigan. So uh, for us to be on the same team, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was wonderful. Calvert, I read somewhere that you, and look, this is something we've got to know here. Just speaking with you, the, these last couple phone calls, you're a very mm-hmm. nice guy. You mm-hmm. have uh, tons of humility and even just there, you were so deferential to Jawan and Chris. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was ever to your detriment as a a professional player where you've got guys who, you know, maybe at times are even less talented than you, but way more aggressive in trying to get theirs? Did you ever look back on it and be like, man, I should have been a little more assertive in what I could do out there or were you just always happy to be a team player, even if that meant relegating some of your talent to a place where it wasn't utilized? Yeah, then I probably thought, you know, I, you know, if I defer a little bit, I think it will help us win. But now, as a, as a, as I think about it now, yeah, I should have been more aggressive because if you're more aggressive, and it, it all it's kind of like you know, and I always say this to our guys, it's like you, you have. At the high school level and college level, to a certain degree, you're playing with checkers. You're playing checkers mm-hmm. because you're the best player on the freaking floor. Right. <laughs> so, so, but when you get to the NBA, you're playing chess. So everything works together. It has to work together in order for you to be a successful basketball team. So if I'm more aggressive, then that might in turn help Chris, and then that might in turn help Jawan, or that might in turn help Rod if I'm more aggressive because then I'm holding up my end of the bargain offensively and defensively. And then that in turn will make us a better basketball team. But I think in, in some regards, I, I didn't, you know, and I, and I do kick myself for that, for not being more aggressive uh, in, in that regard. So, yeah, yeah, now, yeah, back then, I, I probably didn't think about it like that. But now, when I do look back on my career, I said I should have been way more aggressive. Uh, another interesting thing that I love following uh, with NBA players is how individuals' games evolve. And mm-hmm. how, like you talked about, how different the game is in the NBA versus college. In college, obviously, you were the best player on the court on a stacked team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but the three-point shot was a huge part of your game in college. I mean, just the smoothest stroke. I think you shot 43.8% from three for your career, right. which is unheard mm-hmm. of. But in the NBA, it looked like you made the decision that that was not going to be a big part of your game. Um, was that a conscious decision, or did it just evolve out of the players you had on the team, and 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 how did that play out? I think it was more of a of a conscious decision. This is another thing I look back on. I should have been more aggressive from the three point line. Uh, you know, I think you know I try to be more. And I think this is one thing that, for me, is I look at it like, well, I should have. My my game is like more mid range, taking off the dribble, getting to the rim, knocking down shots from about seventeen, eighteen feet. Uh, kind of like you know how it was in you know twenty feet right in that area, and I try to I figured that that would be my way of of being uh, 
uh, helping the team a little bit more than what I did. And it wasn't that I didn't work on my three-point shooting because I did. It just wasn't when I got in the game. I just felt I felt like that wasn't one of the things that was going to help me be successful. Uh, but but at the same, you know, and that's and, and sometimes I kick myself for that because of like if I, if I was more of a three-point shooter, especially when you have a guy like Chris Chris Weber and you have a guy like Jawan Howard who demand double teams, you got to really take advantage of that. And uh, you know, and, and that's one thing I should have done more of. Uh, you know, when I did play. By the way, I also want to point out, your second year, you averaged 16.6 points a game. You did shoot 34% from the three-point line. You averaged four rebounds a game. You're playing 34 mm-hmm. minutes a game. You had a stellar second year, even mm-hmm. even in the face of having Chris Webber and Juwan Howard, who've got to get their shots up. And you can start to see that this team could turn the corner, which you really do the following year. In year three, mm-hmm. you shoot up from 24 and 21 wins your first two years to 39 wins and very close to making the playoffs. And you welcome another guy from a storied uh, college program who has a big personality by the name of Rashid Wallace. Yes. Mm-hmm. Tell us about Rashid and what it was like him coming into this team. Uh, unbelievable athlete. I mean, he, and with but not only that, his, his skill level was like off the charts. He's so talented. It was <laughs> it was ridiculous. <laughs> And for and for us to have him uh, that particular year, uh, it was it was wonderful, man. He he brought a different dimension. He could block shots, he could guard, uh, uh, he could score. Um, and like I said, I was a big fan of his. You know, you know, watching you know Carolina play, uh, I was a big fan of his. Uh, the way he, and he was a tremendous competitor. And uh, you know, Philly guy, Philly guy, all about competing, uh, getting out there and doing his thing and. And uh, helping the team win, and uh, it was it was it was fun playing with him. And so you guys finally do make it to the playoffs the next year. The next year, yeah. wh- How much fun was that? And I think a criticism that's been around probably as long as the NBA has that that maybe the foot's a little bit off the gas during the regular season. Did you see an appreciable jump in intensity when the playoffs hit? Uh. Yes, no doubt. Uh, you know, I think our first man, man, matter of fact, that first half of the year, I think we weren't, we weren't, we were still de- still dealing with chemistry issues. And then, you know, I think after All Star break, we really finally, we finally, uh, you know, kicked it into gear. I think we might have been one of the better teams in the league the la- after All Star break that year. And I think you had a coaching and, uh, change during that year. Uh, yeah, we went from I think Jim Lyon to Bernie Bickerstaff. Right, and is that and, something uh, where Bernie just could see the talent and how you know, like, what was it sort of X and O's adjustments with your 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 talents on the court that changed the chemistry, or is there something uh, personal that goes into that too? No, I think I think you know that I think he related to the player as well, and I think he allowed, he allowed us to be a little bit more aggressive. Uh, but but at the same time, no, nothing, no, not taking anything away from Jim. He did a, I think I thought he did a wonderful job. But you know, even though you you have a uh, a great coach, sometimes it might not work out in those in those particular uh, aspects. So I think you know uh, Bernie, uh, you know, did a wonderful job. Uh, I think of, you know of relating to us a little bit more and and, uh, and letting us be more aggressive out on the floor. And as a result, I think we played a little bit better. And uh, I think we got up to. Uh, so that, that I think that second half, once once we got to the All Star break, and after All Star break, I think we really kicked it into gear, and I started we started playing playing well together, and and uh, and then made that push for the playoffs. And that push for the playoffs culminated in a win and in or lose and out game, the last game of the year against the Cleveland Cavaliers on the road. Yeah, where mm-hmm. and and you know you not 
you're four or five years now removed from college where the tournament is one and done. Uh, it's rare to have that opportunity in the NBA. Game sevens are elusive. But here you are in that uh, environment. How much fun was that to know we win this game, we're going to the playoffs? Yeah, I, I think that was a refuse to lose game for us. I think we were all in the locker room and we were like, hey, we're not, we're not losing this one. Uh, you know, I don't care if we're on the road or not. Or this is the game we need to win. Like Washington had been in the playoffs for, I think at that time, was that 90? What year was that, 97? 96, 97, yep. 96, 97. I, I don't think the the, the, bulletin, or the bullets at the time, now Wizards, they, they hadn't been in the playoffs for, shoot, maybe the, maybe the early 80s. Wow. If I'm not mistaken, it might have been it might have been sooner a little bit later. It might have been mid mid '80s or something like that. So I say, you know, it's time for it's time for that that trend to change. And and we went out there and played a flawless game and ended up beating them on uh, Cleveland on their own floor and and getting to the playoffs. And uh, but unfortunately, you know, we had to play the first seed. And you know, who the first seed was yeah. So let <laughs> right, we got we got to talk about this. We got to talk about this because look, I'll be honest. I was, a, mm-hmm. I was a giant Michael Jordan fan. I rooted oh, for the Bulls hard. Right. The only did. time, there were only three games in Michael Jordan's entire career that I rooted against him. And those <laughs> three games are when the Washington Bullets played the Chicago Bulls in the first round of the 1997 playoffs. Yeah. And, Calbert, <laughs> you have to guard Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. All right, so... I read a story about that Michael, you know, he loved playing uh, mind games too. And I don't know if this is true, but did Mm -hmm. Michael come into your locker room before the game started to kind of point out who he was going to kill that game? No, he didn't do that. Okay. I had read something about that. No, no, no. He didn't do that. Okay. He didn't do that. And if he did, I didn't hear about it, you know, so. All right. But but he's he's funny like that. He's funny like that. He he did say something about he brought (laughs) – it's funny, funny story. You know, they we played two close games against them. Very uh, game close, one and by game the way. Two there against Chicago, we matched up pretty well get with them. And I think that was the year they went what seventy two and ten. Yeah, right? and, and those games were pretty good year for them. But but I'm telling you, yeah. even though it was a sweep, this is what gets lost in just history of basketball. You guys did play them blow for blow. I mean, it was oh, yeah, yeah. tight, it was, tight games. Oh yeah, yeah, tight games. Yeah, and then so we, I think we might have beat them once that year. Uh, so so we matched up pretty well with them, and. uh so that game one and game two happens, and uh, matter of fact, we're playing game two, and I think this is when he has like fifty five, and and uh, and he's 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 really he's really got it going, and then so we're playing it, and I had a pretty decent game myself, so we're so but we're wait going wait wait, Calbert, see you're way too humble, man. Not pretty good. No, you no, scored twenty six no, points. No, I had a pretty decent game. Yeah, and then, and, you know, so so he so but you know you compare that with fifty five, twenty six. That's a little bit, you know, a little bit of a little bit of a discrepancy half. there. A little little bit of a discrepancy there. But but so we so he makes some you know so they're making a run. I think I think we might have been leading at the time, but he makes they make a run. And he he shoots some crazy fadeaway from the baseline, and then we have to call a timeout, and then he's running back to the bench and he's dead tired. So so then we come out of the timeout. And then, so he, he comes up to me and gives me a nudge, and he's like, you know, Cal, I said, are you tired yet? I was like, what are you talking about, man? I'm like, are you tired yet? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, we, so, so he was like, he's really fun like that. But he doesn't really talk too much smack unless you really talk to him. And then, and then we, go back, we go back to Washington for game three. And then so uh, 
he's letting everybody know. He said he's letting all of all of us know that hey, hey guys, well, I only brought one suit. I only brought one suit. You know, so, <laughs> so, 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 so yeah, he'll he'll play mind games like that. We like get that man. We're gonna get this one. We're gonna get this one. And they ended up beating us. I think on we had an opportunity to win the game and uh, actually got fouled on the shot, but they didn't. The rest didn't call it, and they ended up uh, sweeping us. But it was a good series. I thought it was a good series. We we, we competed, played hard against them, and and. Uh, you know, made them work a little bit. You you lost three games by a total of eight points. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. two points first game, five points second game, and then the final game, a one-point heartbreaking yep. loss. I, and, and look, right. we could make the argument, uh, I believe the, the Warriors lost one less regular season game, but they didn't end up winning the championship. So you did that against arguably the greatest team in NBA history, against arguably uh, the greatest player in NBA history. So yeah, yeah, they were. Uh, to my, my opinion, I think I thought they were the, the best, the greatest team in NBA history. I mean, you go 72-10, and 10 and, and, and that during that time uh, when, you know, it was a more physical league and then the teams are a little bit better, uh, you know, from top to bottom. Uh, yeah, that's I, you know, I think without a doubt, I think they were probably the uh, the best team in the history of the game of the NBA. And by the way, you did beat them that year. You scored 17 points in that victory, and mm-hmm. uh, you made Michael Jordan work to get his 30 plus points. He had to take 30 shots. So yeah. uh, I, I do think it's a good time to ask because you've been in the game of basketball for so long. You studied the game. You were a fan of Dr. J growing up. Who is the best basketball player of all time, in your opinion? Well, you know, my opinion, you know, opinions vary. Uh, but in my generation, without a doubt, it's Michael, Michael Jordan. I mean, he's, you know, his tremendous competitor, great athlete, uh, tremendously, you know, he, he, he great work ethic, took his skills to, to a certain to a level that, you know, that to, to me is, 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 is probably the greatest. So, uh, yeah, without a doubt, it's him. I mean, and that's, that's just my opinion. You know, obviously they're, there are a lot of people out there would say Kobe, and a lot of people out there say Shaq or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or Wilt Chamberlain, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. But you know, in my opinion, uh, and when you look at you know his accolades and what he's done, and then the championships he's won, and uh, first team All Defense, like you know, I think for ten years, ten years, ten of his twelve years. I mean, it's like I mean, he's he to me, he's the, he's definitely the best. Now, as you know, you have a nice run in Washington, but as as careers go, then you you kind of hit the road for a while, and you end up going through Boston, through Denver, through Utah, before ending up in Golden State. What was it like to to get into that mode of of moving from team to team, and you know trying to find your way into a new team chemistry, a new locker room? Was was that a difficult thing, or was it something as a professional you just kind of showed up and looked who was around on a given day and just tried to make it work? No, no, I, I look at it from a standpoint. It, at first it was tough because, you know, uh, when I got traded from uh, from Boston to Denver, it was it was tough. That was, that was the first time I'd ever been traded. So, uh, you know, but at the same time, you, you try to figure, you kind of figure out your niche. And, you know, and, you know, pretty much we're like one, you know, NBA is like one big family. So you pretty much know everybody. So, so once you go to a new team, you just, like I say, you try to ingratiate yourself with the team and try to bring what you can in terms of like uh, on the court and, and from a, off the court standpoint, try to help the younger guys and try to uh, bring a little bit of experience. And, uh, you know, so after a while, yeah, it tends to, it's fine. I mean, it, it's part of the business. And, uh, and that's what, that's the one thing I had to grasp. And people got to understand that, you know, 
know, NBA is a business. And, you know, it's a sport. Yeah, and it's a sport that you love to play. But at the end of the day, it's a business. So you could be, uh, you know, here one day, gone the next, or going to another team the next. You know, the trade deadline is at the, it's, it's tonight. You know, so there's gonna there might be some shaking and baking within the next, uh, you know, you know, eight eight to ten hours. Right. Uh, so so that's just the nature of the business. So that's something I had to grasp and get get accustomed to. Because being uh, traded, it, that that did it at first feel to you just a little bit personal, like a bit of a personal slight, and you had to to get over that. Yeah, at first it did, but at the same time, you got to get over it, and you got to get a new team. You got you got a new. Uh, uh, you got a new, a bunch of new guys that you need to ingratiate and in, in, uh, in, to get uh, to get with and, and try to try to make it work uh, from a chemistry stamp standpoint. And uh, you know, so yeah. But at first, yeah, at first it was a little bit personal. But at the end of the day, you know, you gotta let it go. And like I said, this is a, and say this is a business. This is this is a business. This is a business. This is a business. So uh, move on. Uh, I think one of the probably the more crazier things was you know with it was tough for me. It's like, so you got to move your family. Right. Uh, so, you know, and again, at the time, you know, my, my wife and I, we just had our son, Julian. And then, uh, so we had to move our family out there and then you got to move it back. So we got, we still had a house in, in, in Washington though. We like, we liked the area and my wife was, you know, she, she went to high school there. So, so we always come back during the summertime. Uh, but yeah, but then you had to move them out there, get get them situated and all that other stuff. So that's, it's really, uh, annoying from that regard, but at the end of the day, I mean, like I said, from a standpoint of the professional part, the basketball part, it's a business. So there's not. I've I, I I don't know how many what the percentage is of how many players stay in one spot over their career, but it, and it's not it's not a lot. No, you know? I mean, so, my God, Michael Jordan didn't. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, and, and Dirk ends up going to Washington. I yes. think Dirk yeah. was the only one. No, Kobe, Kobe, <laughs> and Kobe. I mean, of course. I think, I, yeah. think yeah. I think part of Kobe's legacy is that yeah. I, I think that, yeah. that being in one place for twenty years is an anomaly. Yeah. Dirk did it exactly. But, so, and then you got one of the greatest. You got one of the greatest Hawks of all time here. I mean, Dominique Wilkins. I mean, he right. Know, he, he ended up finishing his career. I think he went to minute. He went to San Antonio. Then he finished yeah. Boston. So. You know, so the you know the great ones they all you know switch gears. I mean, you got LeBron James switching gears. No I mean, kidding, uh, three won, times. He won, <laughs> he's he's been he's been the best player over the last fifteen years. So, uh, so yeah, it happens to everybody. So, um, but like I said, that, that's one thing these, that that players got to understand as a business. You try to help that team any way that you can, and can try and try to increase your value in any way you can. Speaking of some of the greats, when you did uh, in 0102, you're with the Nuggets your second year. Uh, you had some injuries the year before, but you have a nice bounce back year in 0102. You then mm-hmm. sign with the Jazz, and you mm-hmm. join a team with two of the all-time greats, Carl Malone and John Stockton. Right. What was it like? What What are those guys like uh, behind closed doors? Oh man, man, they. It's like they're just one of the guys. Uh, you know, John was was wonderful in terms of you know just. I mean, just super competitor, uh, but he doesn't. He didn't say much. Uh, but, but at the same time, he led by, he's one of those guys that led by example. Carl was more of a, you know, a vocal leader, more of a vocal guy, uh, getting everybody going. Uh, but it's, I, that was probably one of my better, you know, better years that I, I like, I enjoyed, I enjoy playing because they're all about basketball and they're all about just trying to win games. And, uh, you know, Jerry Sloan, you know, was, you know, Jerry Sloan didn't take, take anything from anybody. You know, Jerry, Jerry was great because Jerry treated the, the first player, the twelfth player, or the first player, is the same as he treated the twelfth player. So if you screwed up, he's gonna let you know about it. You know, he and he and Carl had, you know, had had some run-ins with one another. He had a run, you know, he had run-ins with John. You know, John would just, you know, just shake his head with, with the lips puckered and be like, "Okay, 
you know, and just, mm. and just keep, and just keep rolling. And, uh, you know, so, uh, were, we, we had, so it, it was, it was wonderful playing for that organization. Were there similarities between coach Sloan and coach Knight? Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt in terms of, like I said, just like I said, not treating everybody, you know, you got some coaches out there that will be like, you know, the stars, you know, they get preferential treatment. Other guys, you gotta, you gotta kind of work your way. You know, that one Jerry Sloan, Jerry Sloan is like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to hammer, I'm going to hammer Carl if he doesn't do his job. And then, uh, or, and I'm going to hammer John if he don't do his job. Or I'm going to hammer Cal if he doesn't do his job. Or, or Matt Harpering or, or Andre Karolinko. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. He, he wanted you to play at a high level. And if, if you need to get in your ass to do it, he's going to get in your ass to do it. So, well, you that's get, who, that's what made him good. That's what made him a great coach. Well, speaking of legends, you do get to Golden State. And, you know, Eric, I don't know if you're ready to jump to this, but I'm, I'm so excited to hear about the reuniting of, well, not reuniting, the uniting of two Indiana legends at Golden State when after your playing days uh, wind down, you're, you're working with Keith Smart uh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, as an assistant to him, and you're doing some front office stuff around that time too. But what was it like to be an assistant to Keith Smart as he's the head coach of the Golden State Warriors? Oh, it was great. It was great. You know, he's uh... – uh, you know, Keith. You know, still, we still talk to this day. He's a tremendous individual, man. I mean, he really put his time in in the league. Uh, he's still, in, you know, he unfortunately it was a bad, you know, tough situation at, at, with the Knicks, uh, yeah. him and Fizz. But, but at the end of the day, I mean, he's a great coach. You know, did a good job. Uh, and, and Golden State at that time was going through some. You know, uh, I think they just sold the team, or they were about to sell the team, and. Uh, you know, and then so you knew at the end of the day, you know, we were all probably going to get be gone because you know, obviously, if, if I'm a, if I'm an owner and I bring you know, if I buy a team, I'm going to bring I want to go I'm going to want to bring in my own people. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, you know, that's just it just happened like that. And but like I said, it, you know, Keith was great. Jo- did a great job. Did a great job. Got a chance to work with him. Actually, I got a chance to play for him. He was because he, he was assistant under uh, uh, Eric uh, uh, Eric Musselman. Uh, at the time, who's the head coach? Right. Uh, so, so, uh, so I got a chance to play for him. So, uh, but yeah, but like I said, you know, it was great playing with Keith. You know, he, uh, you know, the, the man that, that that hit the shot to mm-hmm. win the 1987 national championship, and to uh, go on to have a really, you know, nice professional career, uh, and then to turn turn around and be a great a great coach. And uh, you know, like I said, so I, I and I still uh, 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 talk to him to this day, and we will text from time to time, and. And uh, but you know he's it was it was wonderful working with. Him. Well, what is it that distinguishes him from so many of the other players or assistant coaches that he's the one who gets tapped to be the head coach because it's such a a rarefied air to become an NBA head coach and I think we all know him as mm-hmm. the one who hit the shot and we know he went on to do things great professionally but there's very little detail we've ever gotten of of why he was so successful after the fact. Can you point to a couple of traits that make him such a good coach or leader? He's relatable to players. He's really related. I mean, at that, at that level, you got to be really relatable to players. You got to be able to talk to them. Uh, uh, part of being uh, a good coach is, you know, obviously being, being a good psychologist too, because, you know, when, you, when you're playing with great athletes, you're going to have a lot of egos to go with it. And uh, he's, he's, a, he's able to relate. And he's, and he's also done a great job in terms of, uh, uh, working on his craft in terms of being a coach, in terms of the exes and all department. 
He's really done a great job at that. He's, he's developed a wonderful reputation around the league as being a good assistant coach, and, and for him to have an opportunity to be a head coach uh, at Golden State, that was uh, that was that was a uh, that was I was really happy for him. I was really happy for him, as we all were, and as all good things should, they come back through Bloomington. So when your career as a, a at Golden State is done, both playing and and working in the front office and assisting Keith, how do you get a phone call? Uh, that lets you know there's an opportunity at Indiana University to return working on the staff. Uh, actually, kind of, it, it didn't. It didn't just happen out of thin air. Uh, when 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 Tom got a Tom Crean took over the job at uh, uh, Indiana, he had asked me to do a couple of things for him. Uh, a couple of events. I think there was an event in Chicago that uh, that I went up there and helped him out with. And then after that, we kind of developed a relationship. And uh, he he would text me from time to time. I would text him, you know, say keep grinding, you know, keep working hard, and he'd see how see we'll, we would see how each other's doing. But yeah, we developed a relationship, and then and that was before I retired. And then and then by the time uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't say I think I might have been retired, but I think I might have been in front office at the time. But but when uh, he uh, uh, when when I was when I left Golden State. Uh, you know, he gave me a call and asked me if, you know, if I'd be interested in, you know, coming back and, and uh, working as a director of operations there. And uh, I said, let me, well, let me think about it. Let me think about it. And I saw, talked to my wife about it. She thought it'd be a good opportunity. And uh, it ended up being a good opportunity, a great opportunity to go back and to Yama Mater and, and to and to help help out uh, in any way I can. And uh, but yeah, but that's how it all started. You know, we it wasn't just like out of the blue, you know, Tom called me. It was like we had already had a relationship to some degree uh, when that when that opportunity presented itself. I don't think it's a coincidence that the time you were there, we had the greatest Indiana basketball team, you know, at least for a decade. Um, what was it like to be around that team as Indiana was coming back to national prominence behind the prodigious talents of Victor Oladipo and Cody Zeller? Yeah, it was wonderful. I think what what kind of took it over the top was when Cody decided to go to school there. Um, uh, obviously, you knew about Victor, and you knew about Will Sheehy, uh, and then Jordan Holes, and then you got Christian Wofford. Uh, and but but when Cody uh, committed to Indiana, I think that's what took it over the top because he brought another dimension uh, in terms of what he does to the team. And that's that they didn't have, and that was the inside inside presence. And uh, you know, so with him uh, coming, I think that kind of let us put us in the right direction. And uh, and then and then when we started practicing, uh, you could tell that you know, this team's gonna it's got a chance to be pretty darn good. Well, the season uh, that season started off well, but we were on a head-on collision with our fierce rival from Kentucky when mm-hmm. I believe I believe we were 8-0 at the time. I think we were both teams were undefeated. Kentucky was ranked right. number 1. And this right. was really the, we had not been ranked in several years. And even though we had won 8 games and one of those games was a road win at NC State, which is one of Ward's favorite games ever. Oh, uh, watch that game with some NC State friends. It was great. But it was clearly <laughs> this Kentucky game that was going to be the real litmus test for how good is this Indiana team? Are they really back? And what was well, well, to, 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 yeah. to, to kind of piggyback on the, the, the NC State thing? I think the NC State game was a was a big test, was a huge test sure. for it because 
because I think a lot of our games at that up to that point were played at home, and for us to go and play a a proven team like NC State on the road in the AC in the Big Ten ACC Challenge was was uh, was a uh, huge, and I think once we because there, there was a, I think a point in that game where we were I think they had made a run and we were down by like seven and then we were like just saying hey look this that's okay team's going to make runs but this is where we got to this is where we got to mature as a as a crew or as a group to where okay we got to we got to be able to to uh, survive that run and then make a run of our own and then we did and then we ended up coming back and winning. And I think that that just right there uh, gave us a, uh, let let us know that hey we got a pretty darn good pretty darn good team on our hands that that we can take on the road and win games and uh, and we got a good not only a good team physically but we have a really good mentally prepared basketball team. So did you feel something magical was in the air when Kentucky showed up, or was it just like hey hard hats boys we're going to grind this one out and hopefully the chips fall in our favor? No, we're gonna grind this one out. You know, that's we knew how good they were. We knew how great they were. Uh, they had Anthony Davis, Terrence, uh, uh, what's his name, Terrence uh, Jones, Terrence Jones, uh, yeah, Terrence Jones. They they were loaded uh, from to bear. Teague, so when Jeff T, yeah, Jeff, Jeff Mar- T, Mar- Marquise T, right? Marquise, Mar- yeah, Marcus T. I yeah. think, yeah, yeah. So we we had uh, they had a really really good bat and had a, a great Kidd basketball Gil- team. And so Michael Kidd Gilchrist, Kidd, Kidd Gilchrist, yes, Darius Miller. Uh, they were they were loaded, man. So we uh, we knew we were going to have, but but from a magical standpoint, it was magical because I don't think there had ever been a game since the game I played in when we played number one. When my freshman year, we played Michigan, who was number one at the time. They just come off the national championship when they had Romeo Robinson, uh, uh, as a Terry. Uh, can't remember the other guy's name, but you know they were had Romeo Robinson and those guys. And they were number one in the country. And you could feel the atmosphere my freshman year, uh, but that was that was the last time I really felt that atmosphere hmm. uh, up until that Kentucky game. Uh, it was it was like it was like unbelievable, like the buzz that was going on right before tip off, and uh, and then after, I think that at the time we had uh, was a college game day there. Yes. I think we had college game day there, so uh, everything was just being built up to that point, and uh, and 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 but from from a from a point of it being the magical part. That that was wonderful. You know, to see the fans, the students, uh, the 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 everybody just being it, the assembly hall being filled to the rafters. It just it was it was like it was like second to none in terms of like the atmosphere and how how uh, how everything was setting setting itself up. Calbert, uh, one thing I, I would love to get your opinion on. Uh, one of the things that I think a lot of fans get frustrated about with the current team at Indiana. And, and some of it is not fair, but we all want the players on, playing for Indiana wearing the jersey to be playing for something greater than themselves. And we want them to recognize who came before them, and we want the former players and the coaches to be part of the current program in some way. When you were there as director of basketball operations and then you take on player development in your second year, are you having conversations with any of the players to kind of tell them how important this rivalry with Purdue is, or in this case, Kentucky? Are you, how are you imparting your experience to the players? How does that actually happen? Well, yeah, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not so much about Purdue and Kentucky. I think it's more about just the tradition of Indiana basketball, university basketball itself. And that's what I, you know, that's what you try to get these guys to understand. 
uh, even when I got there, it was hard for me to, and I'm an Indiana guy, so, you know, I, it was hard for me to understand, you know, how how uh, important it is to people, how, how important Indiana University basketball is to fans, and how important it is to got to players that came before us. And, uh, that's, and that's all I try to do. I try to get them to understand that, you know, it's, it's not about you. It's about, you know, the, the, the Indiana on your jersey. That's the reason. And, and I, I would tell them there's a reason why you don't, we don't have names on the back of our jerseys because it's all about the, the, the name on the front. And, uh, and that's how, you know, that's how it has always been. I was, and I'm, I'm assuming that's, it's probably going to be that way forever. And, uh, but hope. I think our, some, I think, so, yeah, and I hope, and I, and I think some of the guys understand, and I, and when I was there as director of operations, I, you know, guys like Victor Oladipo, Will Sheehy, uh, you know, Cody, of course, you know, come from Washington, Indiana, Jordan, uh, Christian Wofford, Jordan Hulls, Bloomington guy, they all understood that. And, uh, you know, so it's just a matter of like continuing to, to, to reinforce that with the, with the, with the new guys that come in, you know, every year, two years, three years. To let them under to help them understand that hey, this is what it's all about. Real quick, Calvert, going back to your playing days for a second, because you said you're an Indiana kid, a Southern Indiana kid, and you come you come to Bloomington, and even you didn't get the full scope of it. When you did, when you met the former players, when Coach Knight had other people come to practices, when you met Isaiah or whoever it may be, can you tell us what that like? How did that impact you? What? How did that make you? I know this is going to sound silly, but how did that make you a better player for Indiana? Well, it's, it's, like I said, it's, it's all about you know you're not playing for you; you're playing for something bigger than you, and that's and and it's it's it's, it's about up it's about playing up to the standard of Indiana basketball, playing up to the standard of those guys that played before you, winning the Big Ten titles, winning the, the NCAA championships, playing up to that standard. And, uh, you know, cause, and that's all we wanted to do. And when I, when I was there, you know, and my, myself, Alan, Chris Reynolds, Eric Anderson, Jamal Meeks, Greg Graham, Brian Evans, we all understood that we all understood that. And, uh, so, so, and, and, it, and we, and one thing we would always say with our crew, it wasn't about how many points we scored. Everybody talks about 2,613 points that I scored. It, it, I don't care about any of that. I could care less about any of that. You know, I, I, it was all about us living up to that Indiana Bas- University basketball standard, and, and 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 we knew if we did that, we were going to have a chance to win every win every night. And uh, and uh, hopefully, like I said, we you know Archie's trying to trying to do the best he possibly can to get that there. And and I know people are, are I know people are frustrated. And should I you know if you look at it, I mean, Indiana it's a fr- it's a frustrating thing because when the last time we had a national championship, nineteen eighty seven, right? Yeah, so there's so there's going to be frustration. It is, you know, it is what it is. So, but but at the same time, it's not it's not to the, at the expense of trying to, you know, it's not the like they're not trying to make it right to make it work. So, uh, so so that, and that's and that's the thing that you know I, I'm trying to you know trying to reinforce with people and in, in, in the IU basketball fans is that hey, it's going to take it's going to take a little bit of work. So. Just don't just don't get off the bus. Try well, not to get off the bus. I, I want to get to that in a second, but I do want to just ask this quick question about your experience in your two years there working on the staff at Indiana. Did you ever mm-hmm. take a sip of that uh, liquid that Cream kept in that bottle? Did you ever, <laughs> did you ever, did you ever just take a hit off no, of it? Unfortunately, no, I wish I would have. I would have loved to know what gives him the energy that, he, that it gives him. Wow. I mean, he's, he's, he's constantly walking up and down those sidelines, man. But I'll tell you what I was do, in that bottle. I, it's clapping juice. Yeah. It, was, it's uh, called, it was what? It was clapping juice. Clapping? <laughs> <laughs> I think he loved clap so much. That's right. Or I, I, got you. I just call it but. liquid crazy. 
That's what it was. <laughs> just liquid yeah. crazy. Yeah, but I tell you what, let's not let's not uh, diminish the fact that you know what 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 Tom did there when he was there. Uh, you know, he he did a good job. Uh, he took a took a program that was in was in a was in a tough situation. He turned around, won two Big Ten titles, and, and like I said, we ended up you know came away with a Victor Oladipo, came away with Cody Zeller, and we had a great crew. Uh, so let's not diminish that. Nope, you and, are right. Uh, and you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, we can't we can't diminish that. And no, we, by the way, we, we would pre- we, we do appreciate it. We would die for that kind of success right now. <laughs> you know, you know well, what I'm saying? So, and we got you back, which I, I can't tell you how much it meant to me to see my all-time favorite player back with the team, you know, there with the bench, with the players. It it just felt like something where, again, this great fracture that happened when Coach Knight was fired it was one of the very first huge signs that some of the night era and players and the current team were coming back together and whatever had been happening behind the scenes and that kind of stuff. I wasn't really privy to, you know, at that point, all I saw was like, here is, you know, my favorite childhood player, my all time favorite player, but that is associated with, the Bob Knight era, and he's now back with the program. And and I think it's something that we're still working on as a program to bring it all big, all together as a big, happy family. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think even symbolically it was a huge deal. Yeah, no doubt. It, it, well, I, I, like I said, it, it, I thought it was a, a good time to, to try and come back and help out any way I could. I mean, it wasn't about uh, me or about, you know, just because I played there. I mean, no, it's all about, you know, it's, it's all about just trying to, to, uh, to, to, to help these guys understand what it means to play Indiana basketball. And, uh, and, and I think they, I think they understood that. And well, like they said, did. They played like it yeah, for sure. Yeah. They, they definitely played like it. And, and, uh, and we had, like I said, we did have a diamond in the rough and, and a guy named Cody and, and a guy named Victor Oladipo, you yeah. know, who, who really turned a corner in terms of a player. And then, you know, and then Will Sheehy and uh, who's got, who, who worked at it for those, those two or three years to finally get themselves in a position to, to win games and, and, and win a couple of Big Ten titles and, and be number one in the country. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, that's what it's all about. So just walk us through your recollection now, looking back on it, we're nine years away from it. When mm-hmm. Watford hit that shot and you're on the bench, what – what went? Just give us your take on what you saw and what it felt like. Okay, so we we had done a wonderful job up until that point. We we actually were in control of the game, and then all of a sudden, maybe like the last maybe five to six minutes of the game, we just started getting away from what we were doing. Uh, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, Kentucky takes the lead, and then uh, so then now uh, you know, coach calls a play where we work on like like he worked on like. We work on like every day in practice. He's supposed to hit. Uh, uh, it's a little deal where we hit the guard. And it's like a little crossman, and, he, and, he, and then the, and the guy that, t- that inbounds the ball trails it, and then uh, and then the, at first it's called rugby action. You throw the ball back, and and right there is like next thing you know, the ball is pitched back to Christian, and I was right in line with the with the goal from him where he shot the ball in in the goal from when he shot it, and as soon as he let it go. Right before the ball went through the hoop, I stood up and I said, "Oh, that's good." <laughs> and, then, and, it, and then as soon as it, and then and then all of a sudden the ball goes through the hoop and I just put my you know stand up. I got, I'm already standing up. I just put my fist in the air and it was like, man, it was like Indiana University basketball is back, baby. And yeah, that was that was, that was huge, huge for the program itself. 
Uh, yes, it was. And as much as it pained us to see you go, because we loved having you there, I think we all took solace in the fact that you were uniting with another former Hoosier, and one that you have personal experience with, because he recruited the hell out of you when he was coaching at Evansville. And a friend mm-hmm. of the program. Right. And, and yeah. so you go with Jim Cruz to my hometown, St. Louis, Missouri, mm-hmm. uh, and you, you become assistant coach for the, the Billikens. Uh, right. what was that, what was that experience like for you? It was, it was a great experience. I mean, it was good to have the opportunity to work with, with, uh, with Jim and, uh, you know, we had a couple of good years there and they were really good, uh, for, for a couple of years. Uh, you know, actually, you know, Jim took over for Rick Majerus. Here. Sure. And, uh, when you know, Rick Majerus passed away, uh, fellow college basketball hall of famer. Uh, but, uh, he, uh, yeah, so he ended up taking over and he gave me a call and asked me if I'd be interested in coming. I said, yeah, you know, I actually said, Yes, no, and then yes. So I actually, <laughs> I actually, you know, I had to, I had to, uh, I actually uh, had to turn him down once or twice before I even finally said yes. And so you just uh, like messing with Jim when he recruits you. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, and I was thinking, I was thinking about that too. I said, man, I said I got to stop messing with Jim. Like that. <laughs> yeah, so, so, uh, so yeah, so yeah. So we had a nice couple of years there, and it was it was great working with him. I mean, he's. Uh, we had a great, you know, a couple of great years. Had a couple, uh, couple of good basketball teams. And, and such a classy uh, guy, right, Jim? I mean, oh, just oh, yeah. Jim, Jim is very, very classy guy. You know, he's now he's enjoying retirement and living up in uh, Indianapolis and uh, and just doing his thing. He, I, yeah, he's helping out at Tom Abernathy's academy. He sure is. Yep. Yes, he sure is. Now, he sure is. Ward has to indulge me for a second since you spent some time in my hometown of St. Louis. What what mm-hmm. part of St. Louis did you live in? We lived in uh, Ladue. So oh. this was uh, right Ladue, Clayton. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, right off of uh, Calvert. Calvert. I, yeah. And I, I right was, off of 170. I was the senior captain for the Ladue High School basketball team oh, in 1995. Come on. Now, that was only because I was willing to take about six charges a game. So they, they And we had a terrible team, so my coach made that's me okay. the captain. I bet you were a vocal that, leader. Okay. So wait, where were you in Ladue? <laughs> What do you remember the streets? Uh, we live right off of McKnight Road. Oh, I know uh, it well. All my friends lived yeah, off McKnight. Yeah, yeah, we live off of McKnight Road. Uh, it's uh, right leading right up to Ladue Road. Was yeah, your so, you son? Know, so, was Julian in ahead. high school at the time? Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Uh, he went to MICDS. Okay, right down the street mm-hmm. from Ladue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. Uh, Ted Drews, are you a Ted Drews frozen custard fan? Um, I love me some Ted Drews. Man. Yes. I love me some Ted Drews. And what about uh, Emo's Pizza? Couldn't get an emo. Okay. Nah. Uh, yeah, emos is okay. Uh, it's, no not, like, you know, it's no yeah, Mother you know, Bears. It's no Mother Bears. Yeah, but actually, you know, you know, Jason Tatum, you know, plays for yes. the Celtics. You know, St. Louis guy. He's, I think, he he's he loves emos. Actually, he's got a, he has, he's got a couple commercials uh, that they, that they circulate uh, in St. Louis about the emos pizza. So, oh, that's great. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I won't. I won't. Uh, the, for the St. Louis Hoosiers out there, they'll appreciate that part of the conversation. Oh yeah. No doubt. Um, one what, thing I wanted, what, to, what, I wanted to ask if you ever made your way to JR Cigars <laughs> in St. Louis and no. got yourself a fine stogie. That is my father's no. uh, cigar store that he's owned it for is about 30 years. Well, finest... we, we, well, we got All Star Break coming up next week, so I'm going to write that down. All right. J, JR Cigars. J, do you, and do you still have a home in St. Louis? Yeah, we still do. We still have a we still have a home in St. Louis. All right. There uh, you go. JR yeah. Cigars in Clayton, right in Clayton. Yes. Wally will right. take care of you. Oh, right? yeah. Wally, Wally, that's the man. I'm, I'm writing. I'm writing. That, I'm writing that down as we speak. Are you a cigar guy? You ever smoke cigars? Oh yeah, I like cigars. Oh, yeah, Calbert, this love, is a match yes. made in heaven. <laughs> you guys play golf? You, play, you guys play? Yeah, golf? I yes. play a little. 
Oh yeah, so golf, golf stogies, you know. So we're gonna do this. With, we gotta you just do this. Basically, invited us to play golf yes. with you while smoking exactly, cigars. That's exactly, that's exactly what I'm doing. That's exactly yes. what I'm doing. All right, we will make that happen. Uh, uh, but Calbert, uh, I want to touch on one more thing before we let you go here, because you talked about Archie and the patience that everyone needs to have. Uh, uh, going back on this idea that we love the idea of connecting to the players that built Indiana and the former coaches. Yeah. I, I want to just say from personal experience here, the last year that Ward and I have been doing this podcast has given us a, kind of a firsthand look at times at the program and what's going on, and it's really been amazing. And one of the best experiences I've had that Ward will have next, uh, this coming August is when I went to the Victor and Archie fantasy camp. And you had a bunch of uh, personal obligations that weekend that you had to do, but mm-hmm. you made time to come even just to be there for a few hours, you walked into Assembly Hall, you mingled with people. I got a chance to come up and meet you face-to-face, which was a thrill of a lifetime. But you did that, and then just a couple months later for Hoosier Hysteria, they honor you at Hoosier Hysteria, and you're back and part of the program, and you take the mic, and Trace Jackson Davis puts on the number 40 jersey for his dunk. But You have a lot going on in your life, and clearly Archie and the staff have made it a point to want to make sure that you feel like you are home at Indiana and welcome there. Can you just talk about that a little bit? Yeah, but, you know, we've got to understand, though, it's not just about me. And and like I said, it doesn't matter who's at the helm. But to me, it's it's all about Indiana basketball and what – what it's done for me. Uh, Like, and I always tell people, like, you know, Indiana basketball is going – or Indiana University is going to outlive all of us. So – uh, what I try to do is I, I, try, I try to give back any way I possibly can, uh, you know, and uh, and that's what it's all about. And and for Art, for what Archie's done in terms of like trying to bring everybody together, uh, that's wonderful. It's not just that's not just about me; it's about everybody. Totally. And I think and I think he's done a wonderful job of that. Uh, you know, man, I get I get emails all the time about them. You know, having like you know player days or, or you know for every you know they'll bring players back for games. Not not only just players, but you know former managers too. And uh, he's trying to bring everybody back and bring bring us all back together as a family. And, uh, and that's what it's all about. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, and I, and I really do appreciate Archie and his staff for doing that. And, uh, so, you know, like I said, not just, and for me, it's all about me trying to pay it forward. You know, Indian, Indian university basketball has been great to me. And I just try to go back a couple of times a year and try to help out, uh, in any way I can. And, 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 and what's, and what's even more, uh, What's even more, um, what, what I'm even what I'm even more proud of is the fact that you know Victor is involved, yes. supporting it. Yes. Cody's involved and in supporting it. Jordan Hulls is involved, supporting the program. Will Sheehy, they're all they're all there. That's the next generation, and uh, we and like and you know I, I'm going to be there. I'm going to help out any way I can. And and uh, but like I said, the, the fact that that Cody and, and and Victor and Jordan and those guys are taking the reins, Yogi. And those guys are taking the reins and trying to take it to the next level. Uh, that's 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 great, and that's what and that's what Indiana basketball is all about. You know, well, what I mean, I, I I read texts with Eric Gordon all the time. Eric Gordon's having great things to say about you know he's he's having great things to say about the, the program that he came from. What's he and been so, up to? <laughs> dropping fifty buckets. Dropping fifty. Man, that he, guy getting buckets. Getting wow. buckets. That's what he's doing. So great. <laughs> but uh, but that's what it's all about to me. I said, like I said, it's all about just trying to try to give back. And try to help these guys uh, that are playing right now, and they got a they got a they got a young and experienced basketball team. So they they're playing hard and they're doing whatever they need to do. So okay, uh, listeners, you just heard Calbert say it. 
They've got a young, inexperienced basketball team. Mm -hmm. And so, Calbert, you've obviously been doing so much to help the previous regime and now the new regime. And maybe you can help them just a little bit more right now by telling our listeners why we still need to be patient. Because we've lost three games in a row and people are losing their minds. We need guidance from Calbert Chaney right now. Well, like I said, it's, it's a process. You know, I mean, as with, as with any team, uh, when you have a young and experienced crew, it's, it, it takes a minute to get get them all together on the same page. And, and you know, yeah, they lost three in a row. It happens. And, and the Big Ten's brutal this year. The Big Ten conference is brutal. I watched, uh, uh, I think, Michigan and, and Ohio State battle it out last night, yesterday. And, uh, man, it was like, I mean, it, it's it, everybody knows everybody's stuff. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's brutal. But. At the same time, you got to be able to have the mental capacity to get through those games. And sometimes, uh, you know, I mean, you had an opportunity, you know, like the Maryland game. I didn't get a chance to see the Maryland game because we had a game that night. But, uh, uh, but you know, I think from what I understand, Mar uh, we were up, what, six or seven with a minute left to go in the yeah, game. Yeah, it, it was great if you'd shut it off at 38 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's like that, you know, that's experience. You know, that's, you know, that's, you know, that's something that, that, that that they need to get just get better at, but it's a process, and just like I said, it's just try to stay patient, and and uh, everything will tend, will, will tend to work out. But uh, but like I said, I'm always going to be an Indiana guy. I'll never change. Uh, I'm always going to be there to help in any way I possibly can with Archie, with Fred Glass, and uh, another thing about you know talk about Fred Glass. You know, appreciate whatever everything you know. You know, Fred made the uh, made the announcement that he's going to be leaving at the end of the school year. Right. So, so I do. I really do appreciate everything that he's done, uh, not only for the basketball program, but for all the sports in the athletic department. Is so this your chance? Announce. Is this your uh, chance to pitch Chris Reynolds as the next AD? Oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm not going there. Yeah, I'm not no way. Touch that one Calvert's way too smart and classy to go <laughs> yeah, there. Not going to touch that one. I had to ask. But, uh, yeah, I'm not going to touch that one. But like I said, just just be patient. Just just you know, stay the course, and just uh, like I said, just just like I said, it's a process. So keep keep uh, supporting the process. Calbert, I, I am not sure how it is possible that after what we did with our first podcast with you, where you became my favorite human being of all time, that I like you even more after the second one, but that's where I'm Thanks, at. Guys. Your humility, uh, your selflessness, the way you carried yourself as, as a professional, obviously the way you carried yourself as a Hoosier, and just how you talk about the game and the people that you have come across is just a lesson for Everybody who wants to know what it means to be an Indiana guy and to be a Hoosier, you are a model for the next generation and generations to come. And I just cannot thank you enough for, for giving us as much time as you have. It's a, it's a true honor and pleasure to talk to you. Eric Ward, I really do appreciate you guys. Thanks for, uh, for the interview. And like I said, continue to do what you're doing. Uh, you're doing a great thing for the, for the Indiana University and Indiana University basketball. And uh, if there's any, anything else I can ever do to help you guys don't hesitate to hit me up well look just the fact that you agreed to come on the first time was such a huge step in like legitimizing what we're doing because there's really no reason for <laughs> you indiana legends to take your time out to do this especially when it was just beginning so well if was... i take that back well it is it is i mean i think it's, it's uh, we have an obligation because guys like you who are who are super fans uh, for the Indiana University basketball program, and who care that much about it, uh, I think it's our obligation to 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 give you an interview and to and to uh, to let you in on what uh, Indiana University basketball is all about. You know, past, present, and future. 
And uh, I, and I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate you guys. Wow. Well, thank you. That thank is, you so much. It's a real privilege to to learn from you about what it means to be an Indiana basketball player. Thanks, bud. Appreciate you. Thanks, Calvert. And good luck with the rest of the season. All right, guys. Thank you. Hysterics. Hysterics. I don't know what to say after Calvert said that. I don't know what to say about that. Yeah, this is uh, like you can see my eyes are a little watery. Like that was uh, an incredible way to end things with the greatest. Um, Wow. Yeah, man. I mean, you asked me to do this podcast, uh, you know, 14 months ago or whatever it was. And uh, I just thought it was going to be us yelling at each other the way we do. And there's still some of that. Yeah, we sprinkle that in. But... um, I mean, Calbert Chaney and Greg Graham and Damon Bailey, you know, uh, and Matt Nover and Eric Anderson and that that unit, though that team, Chris Reynolds, Jamal Meeks, Todd Leary. Okay, Brian Evans. Brian he Evans. snuck in there at the Alan end. Alan Henderson. Yeah, of course. I mean, they are why we we probably would have loved Indiana regardless because of our your your geography and your family and my family. But that solidified it for us. We've talked about this a lot. That team, the way they played, the way they carried themselves, the way they have carried themselves since. And I think we were in that place, and I, I would, I'm not sure how Jared, how old Jared is from Assembly Call, but I know he feels the same way about that team in Calvert as we yeah, do. Yeah. And so I think everybody of that generation, we're, we're, we're turning from children, you know, adolescence, you know, and we're starting to try to figure out what is going to be important to us in our lives. And it's just such a, a crucial moment. You know, I, that's when I found Elvis, you know, and other things that you start to take on and say, well, this is, this is my team. This is my music. This is my thing. And it will be for the rest of my life. It's, it's just remarkable sitting here so many years later and it meaning even more. even more. Well, even more because you're getting to know them a little bit. We get a little slice. He he is, you know, they say never meet your heroes, right? You've heard that. Well, you can throw we've that met, out the window. We've met like 60 of them, yeah. you know, or whatever it is. And everyone has exceeded the expectation. And and specifically on Calbert, he hates talking about himself. He he matches one the only thing that doesn't match with Calbert, meaning uh, let me. I'm sorry. I'm still a little emotional, so I'm trying to get out the thought. Everything that you hear from him is exactly what you would have thought by the way he carried himself on the court and the way he played the game. Humble, selfless, team first, not a point fingers at me guy. The only thing that doesn't match is when he was on the court, especially at Indiana and his professional career, but at Indiana where we watched everything, he was a killer. Killer. Assassin. And, and he is not that when he's not in between the lines. And so that's the only thing that is like tough to reconcile. Like where does that killer instinct come from? But it is interesting. I thought it was fascinating that he was quick to say he regretted not being more more assertive and, and selfish, which I'm sure it'd be hard for him to even mutter those words, much less do it. But that again, he didn't put it in the context of, cause then I would have gotten mine more. It was like if I'd been more aggressive, more assertive, it would have helped my teammates and my team. Yeah, if if because we have Juwan Howard and Chris Webber, they're getting double teamed. If I had developed more of the three point shot in the NBA game, the team would have been better off. He he is Indiana basketball, and I wonder. So much of it has to be 
how he was born and how he was raised, clearly. Of course. And then you go to Coach Knight, but that it's just inextricable of like who he is of this team first player. And the way he was describing it, I would think for a young player today, it would be liberating to be like, hey, it's not about me. It's about the team. Let me not worry about how many likes I get on Instagram. Let me not worry about developing my three-pointer so there's more teams that are looking at me at the next level. Let me just lose myself in the team and playing for the team and for the university and the program of whose uniform I wear. I would think that would make it more fun and actually in a weird way, you would feel less pressure because it's not all about you. You know you have 12, 15 other guys and a coaching staff and a fan base that you're all in it together instead of me, me, me. Yeah, I wish that was the case. It's just well, not. No, I'm saying it could be. like It, like it, it, it is for some. Yeah. It is for some, but it's well, a different world. But if, if you know, Calbert can come back and talk yeah. to a couple of these guys from time to time, it could make a real difference yeah, for them. Yeah, you hope so. And and I have I no hope they doubt. just listen to this. Like, just listen to him talk for an hour and a half about what it means to play for something bigger than yourself. It's like, just get a little bit of it. But, you know, you've got a device in your hand that gives you instant gra um, gratification. Those endorphin pops. Yeah, from, from you know, people you know and don't know and... And that's how you gauge your personal success. It just makes it harder. There's, it is much harder for coaching staffs these days. Oh yeah, we've heard that too. Mm -hmm. um, you know that that it is just so hard that that they are competing against so much more than they ever did before. But man, just Calbert and Indiana basketball, amazing. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No e, no i. But, but the, the sometimes, sometimes why. why. That was the best one yet. We nailed it. Because sometimes we don't do the or we miss up on the. the but we nailed up. that yeah. one. But then I messed up saying messed up. Yeah. Well, you couldn't be perfect on everything. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening. We got some uh, good ones coming up. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.